Good afternoon. You're listening to the Mother's Justice Show on 1150 AM KKNW. I'm your host, Reverend Walden. It's my joy to be on the air. Uh, we in the spring right now. I mean, it don't feel like it outside, but uh, but when you look at the little bright green green out there and you know, all of the fresh flowers and all of that, we know that spring in this latitude has sprung, but the weather will probably catch up a little later. I don't know. I I, I am planning the trip to up to Mount Vernon, and I hope that you all have been up to to see the beautiful tulips. It will really, really, really enhance your life to go see that ex, ex, exquisite beauty. Exquisite beauty can help change the world also, and so we need to see beauty often so it can renew our spirits because of what all we're doing here in the world. But I want to just mention before my guest comes on, I want to mention I want to mention about the survey because the survey. The uh, 2023 uh, Alternative Talk uh, 150 listener survey is uh, going on right now from the 27th of March to April 23rd. All right, so we got another week of this. So please go to 11.50 a.m. Or go to 11.50 a.m. I'm sorry, let me start over. Go to 1150 www.1150kknw.com and click there on the image of the 2023 listener survey. At, uh, area near the top of the page, and I uh, give your uh, just just take the survey, and uh, and uh, answer the questions about the uh, the programs that you like or what you would like to see, so you can help shape the future, and get your voice heard that way. Also, just for simply filling that out at the uh, at the survey uh, at the uh, www.1150kknw.com, uh, and you can you can actually almost. You can fill in that survey, and guess what? You could win a trip to Victoria on the Victoria Clipper to Victoria, Canada. BC is a beautiful town. I've been there many times. Plus a gift certificate for the $100 gift certificate to Famous Dave Restaurant. Check that out, okay? Please do that. And uh, if Mother's is one of your favorite ones, please say that. Thank you so much on that piece. Um, also, we have a podcast, <laughs> and so if you want your friends to know about this, I, I, that they that you enjoyed listening to it, and you want to listen to it, I, I, mothers again, uh, well, then you can go to uh, the website there, um, and uh, you can uh, check out our our um, podcast. I'm excited about that, uh, you know, and um, so yeah, so spring is here, uh, and my guests should come on about two o five here. Uh, and uh, it's going to be Chief Chief uh, Chief Diaz is going to be on, my guest on on Mother's show today. So I'm excited about that. And look like he's here now. So I'm I'm going to just go ahead and bring the Chief on and just say, uh, Hey Chief, how you doing? You want to? Hello, you? how are you doing, Reverend Walden? Oh hi, I'm good. I'm good. It's like <laughs> so we've had an interview for a week. We were at your at, at headquarters doing a video about that. You know, answering questions, and now you're here. On, this is your first time on my show, right? Yes, it is. Yes, it is. I think so. Yes, it is. Yeah, it is. So, hey, this is good. So, I know that you're busy, I, and I thank you for um, carving out a little time for me on Mondays. It's always a busy day for you because I have so much of going on over the weekend. I mean, you know, just just a variety of things, and uh, and most of them kept the uh, offices uh, hopping. <laughs> it has it has been a busy time, but. Uh... You know, we're getting through it. Uh, you know, obviously, there's crime is it never stops. So, 
<laughs> no, it, it never, never stops. But um, here, before we start talking about that, you know, what they asked you to come on about this wonderful program and for clear transparency, I'm part of the, I've been part of the uh, uh, Before the Badge program. I always want to let my listeners know, uh, uh, you know, that I've been a part of something, whether it's a family member or it's with the chief a part of something. But I just want you to just mentally talk about all that you've taken, I mean, uh, about fentanyl, I mean, I, you know, and uh, and I think you've had a lot of weapons uh, that that uh, that uh, you were able to, uh, I, I don't know how you get them, but uh, it sure was a lot of them. So you want to just talk about some of, the, some of the things that's been going on as it relates to regular policing, but all the other stuff that, you know, I mean, the suicide is, is high with that. With this, uh, with, with fentanyl, bless its heart. I mean, it's like it's just harming people in so many ways. So I wanted to give you an opportunity to talk about that. Yeah. So you know, uh, as we look at crime, you know, we've actually over last uh, last year was a pretty, oh, it was a really high year of of criminal activity, and um, the first five months really were you know a big uh, jump in the amount of crime stats that we experienced uh, compared to the previous years. And um, and really, a lot of it was kind of stemmed around homelessness. Um, and uh, and mayors had just come into office and was working on the unified care, setting up the unified care team. And uh, and that actually by by working on trying to get people into services, getting people into housing, getting people connected to those, it allowed us to also focus on on really uh, large scale operations. Um, with stuff that's associated with fentanyl, uh, associated with, you know, narcotics, uh, guns, and uh, that's what we've been focused on. So last year, we actually recovered the second most amount of firearms um, on on record that we've, you know, been able to, do, that we were able to do. But just this year, in the month of March, um, which is what I, I have stats for, is the highest amount of guns we recovered ever. Um, just in one month, which was 169 guns, uh, just this month of March, and um, so you know, while while we are seeing crime, uh, violent crime trend uh, downward, and we're about down about 24 percent um, for the year, uh, which is it's it's good, but we're actually still seeing, you know, at the end of the day, we're still seeing people shoot each other, we're still seeing victims, we're still seeing, you know, our loved ones being harmed and, and impacted by violence. And uh, and so it's so important for our officers to go out and, and recover uh, the guns that are doing that harm. And we're this year alone, we've already covered over a million pills in fentanyl. And we know that overdose deaths are, are rates are up. Uh, we know that it's impacted King County. And so it's important that, that our personnel are committed to making sure that we take these dangerous drugs off the streets as well. And so these are all part of our overall plan. Uh, to try and make our community safe. You know, we're trying to, you know, work on getting the downtown, um, you know, safe and, and trying to make sure that those areas are for people to feel, you know, safe and clear coming downtown and shopping. Uh, but we also need to make all of our communities safe. And uh, and so these are uh, some of the work that we're doing. Um, retail theft, motor vehicle theft operations, uh, fentanyl and drug operations, as well as trying to make sure that we get guns off the street. Well, you know, it's a, uh, it, it really is a lot, you know, and then, uh, you know, I know that, the, you know, we, I know that uh, a young man is in custody for the shooting of Elijah Lewis a couple of weeks ago. I mean, and that, 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 that's something that really hit our community hard. I mean, uh, <laughs> you know, it's like, wow. Um, 
you know, I, you know, this just came to my mind because sometimes I'm spontaneous, but I believe it's time for the city to partner with mothers or other people to do some public service announcement. I think we need to do some public service announcement about, about fentanyl. It, I, I really know. do. I mean, it, it, this coming through right now, I mean, you know, and sometimes when you get it, when you get inspiration now, you know, I mean, no. it's just time to do something, uh, you know, uh, uh, to run some public service announcements uh, to, to parents and, 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 you know, I mean, 30 second spots. I mean, you know, we can also maybe talk about putting something here on the, on the, on this station, even on the radio station. I mean, I, I'm sure we, I'm sure uh, Eric, I, I, I stood your old manager. I mean, our manager here would have, would be really, uh, and I know C-Spot would be willing to do something. I just know that sometimes you just have to say out of the bag and that came out of the bag because I wasn't thinking <laughs> about this, you weren't thinking about that, but it came out of a good bag. <laughs> well, it, you're 100% right. You know, the mayor, uh, I literally just uh, came out of a press conference uh, right now. The mayor's office uh, had done an executive order on fentanyl. Um, we know that one pill can kill and, uh, and when you recover in over the last three years, we probably recovered close to 4 million pills. So you can just imagine how much this entire city would have been impacted, but the state, you know, enough to kill this entire state really. And wow. so wow. we really have wow. to, you know, figure out right. how we're actually trying to reduce the demand. Um, well, that's really the big right. challenge is, is yeah, if, if people, yeah, if people right. are using it, like you got to reduce that demand. So you got to reduce the demand, but we got to, we got to also look at, uh, sorrow and despair and all these other reasons, but also children's curiosity. You're not going to get rid of kids' curiosity. I mean, I think a child died somewhere in another county, but I'm just curious. I mean, picked it up something. I guess their parents was involved with some whatever, whatever, uh, and the child died by ingesting that. So it really is a big thing. But you know what? I'd like to continue this point on with you at a, at a later date, but I wanted to, to just go ahead now and maybe we'll just shift gears. And but there, there's something that, that, that really is... Um, we're not, we're not going to leave you hanging out, out there, uh, our listeners. We're going to come back to this at another time about what we can do about public service announcements. So we'll kind of come back to that. We're going to put it on the parking lot, but not for long. <laughs> uh, gotcha. Yeah. So I wanted you to just, I mean, you, so you, I mean, you're real proud of this program. Uh, and you know what I'm proud about, uh, you know, uh, ST? I mean, when you were entering, you got busy. A lot of times when people are entering, they just enter. Well, you got busy. Okay, and that busyness that I'm going to create a program, I'm going to create something that has value and can actually enhance incoming uh, officers and the community. And so you want to talk about the, um, you want to talk about, about the program. Uh, I think, I think I'm just really, I'm excited about it because I've just been to a few of them. I'm not there uh, often. I just come like once a month, but you want to just, this, uh, this is your show. Yeah, <laughs> just, sure, you know. Time. Yeah, so you know, I during uh, uh, my career, I spent a lot of work on youth violence prevention, and um, you know, I talked with families, talked with uh, kids to try and get them on the right path to help them thrive and help them be successful. But also, you know, I was talking to a lot of the different social services that were, you know, experiencing, uh, um, you know, just the despair that sometimes our families feel, and so, and and I was also talking to police departments across not just the, the U.S., but I'm talking about international. And you start talking about London, you start talking about Netherlands and Scotland or Ireland, and you talk about, you know, a variety of different other countries. Their academies are one year to three years long. And many of those countries never give their officers a gun. And, uh, and we in the States, you know, our academy is four and a half to five months. 
and we give them a gun hoping that we're going to have a better outcome and that hoping that we're going to have a better interaction with community. And we're not giving the skills to actually teach and have a conversation with community to have to understand the trauma that happens in a community. You know, I had 4,000 rounds being fired last year alone in this in, in, in the city of Seattle. That's a lot What's of trauma that? in the oh community. Oh, my goodness. That's wild. And and so and you think about, you know, the deaths of whether it's fentanyl overdoses or whether it's gun violence or whether, you know, and I want our officers to, to understand what, you know, those conversations to talk with the families that have been impacted by gun violence, to talk about to, to people that have been formerly incarcerated that the last time that they might have talked to a police officer is when that officer was arresting them. That, you know, to talk to the African-American community, the LGBTQ community, to understand what trauma is in those communities. And and so it was important that I took all that experience that I had over the years and really tried to give our, our direction for our, our, um, our training unit and our personnel to kind of build a program that would just incorporate community into it to be able to start saying, look, we value relationships and that we need our officers to have uh, uh, have that interaction. So we actually bring, this program brings all new recruits in six weeks prior to the academy. And it, it gives an extension of the academy um, to have these conversations, to have these dialogues. But we also include social emotional learning. We include uh, brain development because we know that the youth that they're going to interact, their brains aren't fully developed. And we want them to understand that, to have, you know, to understand how they can actually de-escalate a situation. You know, we've almost gone almost one year without an officer-involved shooting. Yeah. And I, you know, I think that that's, that's just one of those markers that you're really, you know, I, I don't want to highlight it too much because I'm always afraid that the next day it happens, right? And, but you know, I feel like, we're, we're turning this corner of, you know, we're, we're being more responsive to community needs. We're trying to understand that dynamic. We've actually been launching this since May of last year. So we launched our first cohort in May. I think we've done about 20 cohorts. We're training every personnel that comes in that wants to be a police officer, including our CSOs. So it's not just our police officers that are, are going through the training, but CSOs. And then we're training, uh, there are components of this that we're training for all of our personnel. So growth and outward mindset. Um, so we're taking classes that, that this group is getting and actually making sure that our, all of our department is actually being trained in it. Wow, well, I mean, that, that's really, that really is something, the, the CSOs. And, uh, and I know that the other day there was a training uh, and I, I saw on Facebook that Ms. Dawson was there uh, talking about her experience and, um, and a young guy, I could, uh, officer, I mean, uh, you know, uh, cadet, about, um, knew her son, went to school yeah. with her son, you know, I mean, uh, and Mrs. Dasa, uh, her son was uh, killed a couple of years ago on Mother's Day, uh, not by a police shooting, but uh, by someone in the community, uh, and he pro- pro- uh, just died in her arms on Mother's Day, and that's a, that's a tragedy. It's a double tragedy right there. So uh, anyway, I, I think I haven't talked to her, but I can see her face that uh, that that was rewarding for her to see somebody going to be a police officer that went to school with her son. You know, so, yeah. Yeah. And I and I know even even with Elijah, you know, Connor, you know, Alicia's um, son knew them. They went, you know, they hung out together and, you know, it's just 
it, it brings the full circle, just the impact that one death in a community can have in yes. yes. that experience. No. I, I actually have been taught, I talk with the, you know, families and mothers that have been impacted by gun violence. Um, and I, you know, I'm trying to take all of that information and really just, you know, it's, it's, we will have a better society if we humanize each other. That's and, right. That's right. and I That's know right. that if I can make sure that our officers understand the community and the humanization of that and the community can understand even the officers. So they understand their, their perspective and their experience that, you know, at the end of the day that we all want to make sure that our community is safe and that, that we're working towards that goal. And I think that in the end, I think this is where that program helps build that. It's not the, the end all for our, our, what we're trying to build. You know, I'm already looking at what, what the expansion looks like for our in-service I'm looking at their expansion for what it looks like for our sergeants, lieutenants, and captains, um, like developing a mentorship program with community members, mentoring, you know, uh, some of our, our leaders in our department. And I think all of that will really just help us really be more connected uh, with community. And I, I think that that's, that's our goal. Well, I really appreciate that. And I hope, do you remember, were you, were you around when they had the young people, the young, what was the young people that's interested in police and call? They might have been in high, still in high school, but it was a program, I don't know, it's called what the, huh? The Explore program. Okay, okay. And I think, I think that program is no longer around, right? No, it actually is. We, you know, have actually, <laughs> we actually have a smaller group um, of youth that are involved with it uh, because of the COVID pandemic. We weren't able to do a lot of in-person meetings. So a program that we were once around 40 or 50 youth uh, is much smaller now, but we're hoping to expand that out. So if you know of youth uh, that are a part of that, you can actually Google Seattle Police Explorers um, and uh, there's information and contact information, um, but we would love to expand that program. And uh, we really have a good diverse group of youth uh, that have been involved, but you know, it's much smaller than it was once before. Right. Well, I know that I know that it takes a lot to build a, you know, uh, to get to where we were uh, when police are in police, because I, I know the charter says that every um, every sector is supposed to have adequate police uh, uh, protection at all times. That is part of the charter, although I think some of the people in the city didn't realize that, because when you want to do what they what happened in 2020, you adversely affect the communities that's already suffering. I mean, yeah. because then that gives people an opportunity. <laughs> the yeah. opportunity. Uh, and one of the things that mothers always say that people shoot people in the daytime because they know they're not going to get arrested. Yeah. I mean, and, that, and that's why, you know, we have always supported uh, cameras in a high profile area uh, uh, with a sunset day. Yeah. I mean, because, because if you can make some arrest in some of this uh, uh, community violence, then um, then uh, it, it, I, I think we could have some uh, change of uh, some change of heart, but also I uh, get to the really hard dealing with the uh, number one uh, uh, guns. Uh, uh, people, the people always talk about gun control and all of that. Uh, but uh, I think I think when you pick up uh, when you pick up a gun, you you just actually picking it up to harm somebody. Uh, uh, and I know that you have uh, uh, you know. Uh, what is uh, when you're trying to save your own life and somebody's coming after you? Self-defense. Also, yeah, uh, public, uh, yeah, self-defense. But I also think that if you could just pause before you pull that trigger, because once you pull that trigger, your life is forever altered. Even yeah. though if they, even if, even if you don't get away, I mean, even if you run away and you you stay hidden forever, then you know eventually time time catches up on you. 
But I also think police officers are, are affected too. I really do. Yeah. I mean, I think police officers, although they might come out to be an impolicy, uh, impolicy shooting, I don't think you can take a life of somebody else uh, uh, and not be impacted by that. I think that I think it has a spiritual. I think it registers someplace on the subconscious mind, uh, because you've uh, you know I mean we can rationalize all the reason why, but we've done something that that in all the great texts of the book says all the great texts of the world said I shall not kill. I mean and, and those kinds of things, but I'm really excited about the program and I must say I uh, you know I I probably will be there this Wednesday. I think I usually come the last Wednesday of the month down at uh, uh, down at the pastor uh, Harvey Drake's church. So uh, okay. and uh, and uh, what and what I do, I mean, how I participate is I tell what my experience is. Uh, uh, and I always, you know, I mean, my experience with policing is different. I mean, I got into this work about what happened with my children and other people's children, not what happened to me personally. Uh, but it, it was personal in a way because it was my children. But a lot of people have a direct uh, incident that they can uh, point to uh, personally, uh, uh, and it happened to their personhood. But I, I don't have that one. But I think it's a good program, and I hope that other people around the country is looking at the program because I really think it's a good program. I I, I really do it. Now. I'm really I I'm really I like to um, to acknowledge you and your your, your love for uh, policing. I mean, because you you decided to come up with something new. I mean, because we can't keep going forward on what's old. I mean, although I, I'm in part of that elderly crowd right now, but. <laughs> But I mean, uh, it, the new ways of doing things and be able to talk to people because it is a heart to heart, you know. I mean, in order to change the world, we have to change it through our heart, not yeah. through our head. The, the change the world is is a heart condition, and uh, and that's the way I think the only way we can change it is is how we how we how we could communicate with people and see us not as the other but as our brother. I mean, we can get to a place where we see each other not as the other and some for something that's foreign. <laughs> from another planet but part of the family of man you know we'd get there so i really I appreciate it no ahead. i really thank you and honestly thank you for the support you know thank you for just having the difficult conversations because at the end of the day i want to make sure our officers are getting something out of it they that they can experience to understand the trauma that a community might have but also the healing process that actually does happen as well and um you know i think through those conversations through those tough conversations we all find our way of, of just finding that reconciliation that happens. And um, and so it's so important to me, so important to the department, so important to the future of policing. So right. Yes, I'll agree. I'll agree. I'll agree that, 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 that consciousness. And you know what? We can change consciousness. I mean, that thing, we can change consciousness. I mean, repetition, you know, I mean, we got this way because of repetition of doing it this yeah. way. But we can change consciousness, you know. I mean, really, we can. And, and I, I'm really, I, I'm really supporting you in changing the consciousness and uh, and uh, actually continuing to build a, a great uh, a police department that's necessary in the world that we live in today. Right. Thank you. I, I want to thank you for being my guest on Mother's Justice, on Mother's Justice Show, Chief. I look forward to seeing you the next time. Thank you so much. You take care. You take care too. You listen to the Mother's Justice Show on 11:50 a.m. KKNW. I'll be right back. Thank you. Join us for Wisdom and Wellness with Reverend Walden, a monthly virtual and in-person healing circle that focuses on community healing and growth. Learn more at virtueshealing.com. That's virtueshealing.com. Also, be sure to join our healing group on Facebook. Again, visit us at virtueshealing.com. 
healing.com today. Hi, this is Eric Ryder, operations manager for 1150 AM KKNW. We value your opinion and invite you to 1150kknw.com to fill out the 2023 KKNW listener survey. Your responses help us to shape KKNW to your listening needs. As an added incentive, when you fill out the survey, you'll have a chance to win an awesome prize. Complete contest details and your opportunity to help us shape this station can be found at 1150kknw.com. For more than a century, AM radio has evolved to meet the needs of our community. In their car, at home, or on the job, more than 80 million listeners depend on AM radio each month. AM radio is also the backbone of the emergency alert system, which keeps us safe in dangerous times. It's reliable, free, and public safety depends on it. Text AM to 52886 and tell Congress we need AM radio in cars. This message furnished by the National Association of Broadcasters. Make us part of your daily routine. Alternative Talk, 1150. <clears throat> Good afternoon. You're listening to the Mother's Justice Show on 1150 AM KKNW. I'm your host, Reverend Walden. It's my joy to be on the air. And just before I bring my next guest on, I want to remind you about the listeners uh, survey, uh, 2023 uh, listeners survey, uh, you please go to www.1150, I'm sorry, let me start over. Please go to www.1150kknw.com and take the survey. It's very important for the station and for me and for all the listeners and all the shows on on the radio to have the survey done. So as an added incentive, when you fill out the survey, you'll have a chance to win a round trip passenger for two on the Victoria Clipper to Victoria, BC. I've been there, it's a beautiful city. Uh, and uh, plus a $100 gift certificate uh, to the famous Dave restaurant. Also check out Mother's Podcast. Uh, uh, you can you can uh, send it out, you can let your friends know that it's available uh, on 1150 uh, AM KKNW. So uh, your Mother's has a podcast, I guess, so in the modern world, you guys. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I want to bring my next guest on. He was last. He was on last week. We were talking about uh, talking about uh, A. Philip Randolph, and I, I want to bring in Gabriel. Uh, so, hi, Gabriel. How are you doing? Want to unmute yourself? Hey, how are you hey, doing? Hey, Mother, how are you? I'm how doing you fine doing? on yourself. I'm doing I'm good today. Yeah, I'm good today. Yeah, you know, yeah. hey, Monday, Mondays is always good for me because I was self-employed for many years. So a lot of people don't like Mondays, but when you work for yourself, Monday's a good day. So <laughs> I was never, <laughs> and I was never one of those people, say, oh, those persons who say, thank God it's Friday. Because when you're self-employed, it doesn't matter. <laughs> you might still have to go do some work. I think I wanted to bring you back on this week because I wanted to have a little bit more time to just talk about that. Uh, Talk about Asa, uh, uh, and uh, I was going to look for some quotes for him, but I didn't get a chance to do that. I want to just maybe, you know, find some quotes uh, uh, about uh, for some of the things that he said. Um, but I, I know that something is happening tonight, and I wanted to bring you back on to talk about what's happening tonight uh, and that type of thing. So you have some opportunity to get more in depth about uh about, about the work that uh, that uh, April Randolph uh, uh, did uh, while he was uh, on the planet. I mean, you know. So he did good work, and uh, we just want to talk about that a little bit more. But um, I didn't get a chance. But I know that one of his quotes was that something about uh, you could uh, at the at the at the menu table at the table at the buffet table, you can only keep what you take or something like that. I mean, I, I maybe I can maybe I can get some, maybe next time I have you on, I'll have all those quotes. Um, I, I that he uh, said that was really uh, instrumental 
And you think about the time he was organizing, he was organizing during the time of uh, segregation. <laughs> right. You know, and um, and there was no such thing as a as a integrated a union in those days. Exactly. You know, uh, and uh, my grandfather uh, worked uh, on the railroad. He was a red cap in the 1920s down in Florida uh, on the Atlantic coastline was the name of the train that came through San Florida. Uh, and that was a good job in the 1920s because that meant he had to work. He worked the whole year round. So, um, but do you want to just yeah, say, you that, know, that, that was one of the best jobs back in those days. Oh yeah, it, it was. It was. It, it, it was. It was a great job. I mean, uh, I, I, and I, I don't. I think. I think my cousin. I think my grandfather's uh, uh, nephew, uh, uh, James Walden. Uh, 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 I, I think he also worked on on the on the on the train uh, uh, on the Atlantic coastline, and um, so to have a job in the nineteen twenties on the train, I don't know what position my grandfather had, but I probably know he was working in the segregated co coach. <laughs> yeah, unless he was serving people, uh, 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 serving people, he might have been uh, uh, with other people. But just knowing that segregation was still was was the law of the land, I can uh, I can I can just surmise that his job was. Was isolated mainly with uh, with Negroes at that time, but but he had a job uh, and it was a Iran job. So anyway, you want to talk about what you know what's going on for uh, for today uh, with, uh, with with APRI here in Seattle? Yeah, so today we are celebrating Asa Philip Randolph's birthday. His actual birthday is April fifteenth, which was Saturday. Mm -hmm. But we celebrated. You usually celebrate it on the day we do our membership meeting, which is the third. Monday of the month, and that's today. Right. Mm -hmm. And um, we got a special guest that came all the way from uh, North Carolina chapter, right. uh, Daniel Brown, who's a, who has, also has a show, Daniel mm -hmm. Brown on the ground. And um, she'll be joining us today. And um, she's been doing a lot of work, traveling all around the US in different chapters and, and, and meeting with members and um, activists. Of APRI around the nation. She also was instrumental in um, going down and getting all people to vote back in uh, Georgia when we when um, people was fighting to see who they can elect that's going to be right for the people. And um, she was influential in in doing some education on the on the um, on the elected officials that are running for office. And um, I guess we end up getting the right people in office that gonna stand up for democracy in this country. You know. Well, I know that she, I know that uh, Miss Brown was also instrumental in helping us with Legislative Day this year and that's last. Correct. That's correct. And we that's first did our first um, Zoom Legislative Day. She was instrumental in participating in it uh, right. and uh, helping out in the in the process of going through that. And, I, and um, I wanted to share that quote with you that you was asking about. Okay. At the banquet table of nature, there's no, there are no reserved seats. You get what you can take and you keep what you can hold. If you can't take anything, you won't get anything. And if you can't hold anything, you won't keep anything. And you can take anything, you can take anything without organization. I guess without organization, you know that 
I mean, one person can get something going, but you can't keep it going as an individual. That's, That's for sure. Great. That's for sure. That, that 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 really is what what life is about. I mean, and even even if you just even if you lay that aside and just think about the the the, the master teacher Jesus Christ, he had he had disciples with him, so <laughs> so he can teach them. They, he can teach them. So that that's organizing. We we can say that's yeah. organizing. <laughs> he had twelve disciples uh, uh, to go out and carry the, the gospel. So uh, so we see this uh, all along that. Uh, that organizing is key. And the one thing that the people did, what I'm inspired by, what keeps me going, is the amount of intensity that, that our community, our ancestors had in the 20s, 30s, 40s, and 50s, and 60s. It kind of waned in the 70s when, in the, when, uh, when integration and, and, uh, and, uh, and affirmative action uh, came in. And by the 80s, we weren't nearly organizing. Uh, that's, when, that's, when the, uh, that's when the evangelicals start organizing. Uh, in the 80s around uh, around um, around when uh, Reagan got to be elected and they never went home. They took a page out of our page and I can I, I can continuously say they took a page out of our page uh, from us because we taught the world how to organize for freedom. Uh, and, and then uh, we kind of moved away from that and then we kind of get out there when it's incidents happening. But uh, one thing about Thurgood Marshall, they were always organizing and that's what I've learned. So I like that quote, you can only hear. <laughs> yeah. You got, you got, and then you got to think of the relationship between the civil rights and, and, and the labor movement. It's kind of the same fight because, um, you know, it, 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 it's about freedom. It's about economic justice. Uh, it's about able to live as a human being and all these aspect of life and the things that I just mentioned is instrumental of uh, the survival of a human being. Right, right. And and the unions, I mean, I, I mean, during the 50s, 60s and 70s, I mean, you know, I think the unions was, was coming around, but they didn't really come around. I mean, I guess look how long it took for uh, Tyree Scott them had to get involved to get uh, uh, people in the trades and shut down things. I mean, that would be a great shutdown in Seattle. Uh, they stopped a lot of jobs here. Tyree Scott and a whole bunch of people did. Uh, uh, and it was almost, it took almost 50 years in this state to get more black people involved in, uh, in the unions. I mean, so, so it's been, it, it's been, a, uh, it, it's, it's been a brick wall that, uh, I mean, uh, to, to bring down that wall for people to get good jobs. And it's more here now. When you, when, you know what I was impressed by the Philip Randolph is when I went to uh, when I went to the first conference, I think it was down in Oakland or San Francisco. And I saw all those black people. It's like, oh my God, no wonder Russell and Bob them was always talking so bad about unions because you had black people at the highest level, like Cleola, the highest level of leadership in these unions. So, I mean, you might not have it here in Washington state, but I mean, now you do have a lady that that's just down at King, uh, Washington State King, uh, 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 Labor Council, but in the other states, I mean, you know, it's like, wow, I see why they talk so bad about unions because at the top of at some of the top of the ladders, you have black people uh, 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 running these unions. I mean, I'm not saying it correctly, but I mean, the presidents of these unions, you know. Yeah, and it and it took a long time to get there, and um, and almost almost. Um, is that, is, that, is, that your, is that your chimes that you have? Yeah, let me turn this down. That's, let me turn this down. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. But um, the thing is this, right? It took a long time to get there, but um, we're still far from perfect, right? 
because we're still yes. dealing with the racism between the unions right. and the labor movement, you know, right. and, uh, and uh, we still have an issue uh, sometimes people that look like us have to compromise to be able to get in these positions and then they hurt the, the movement instead of helping the movement. Right, right, right. that's right, that's right, that's right. Uh, uh, and, 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 and you know, when we see that across the board, but one of the things I believe that, I mean, this is what I love about the Philip Randolph Institute and the people that I've met across the country and the work that your predecessor did, uh, you know, the late Ferlene Wilder and other people, I mean, Jones uh, uh, and all the other people, is that there is really a family f feeling and not a competitive feeling. You know, you feel like family when you're involved with uh, uh, with uh, with uh, this uh, with this affiliate. Uh, 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 it feels like family and you're not competing. Uh, you're not trying to go down out and uh, and uh, and uh, and stomp on other union members or that that kinds of stuff. But uh, you have an open door uh, for people to come in and to be part of be part of be part of this uh, organization. You know, that's very interesting thing you just said because, uh, you know, when I, before I became part of the AFL Randolph as a member, I was fighting racism within my union, right? And, and, and it was a frustration day on day to have to deal with that. But when I joined the AFL Randolph, like you stated earlier, and I was in that room with all these brothers and sisters that looked like me. I'm talking all the progressive things that order the movement that we want to move labor to be a better place for our working people, no matter what color or, or where you come from. You know, that inspired me, that changed my whole thinking. And then it turned me into fight. Instead of fighting, I was organizing, you know, and, and, and making things better for everybody in the union, you know, and, uh, and, and many union members, even white brothers, acknowledge it and, and see what my heart and spirit was all about, you know, and, and some of them changed, but we're still far from perfect because we're still fighting the same thing that we fought in the past. And um, it's kind of um, mind-bothering because people don't recognize that you're hurting the whole movement. You know, you're bringing us back, you know, and, and it's time for the best thing to do is come together. The best thing to do is work together. The best thing is to unite and form a movement that could push us all forward to make it better for everybody, not just you or your sister or your brother, but for every human being in general. Well, and, and that's right. And that's why a lot of this work has to be, it's not so much of the head work, it's to change the hearts and minds of people. Because I really, there is really enough. I mean, we've been programmed by the, the by the, you know, by the boss that Lonnie used to call him, the coach Lonnie used to call him the boss, uh, programmed to believe that it's not enough, that the pie is shrinking, but the pie is not shrinking because people are spending money every day uh, on things that they need or not need. Uh, and um, and uh, what, what, what needs to happen is some of the production jobs need to come back to, to, to America. That would solve some of the problems. If, if, uh, if, uh, but nobody seems to have the will to bring the jobs home. I mean, because if the jobs came home, number one, I, I, one thing about one thing about you know you have to lift people out of poverty, and I think I think that I think that Asa realized that Asa Randolph, Asa realized that you got to lift people out of poverty, and if you don't have jobs to lift people out of poverty, then the cycle continues. See, uh, and that's why a good union job it raises the tide for everybody is what I realized because I, I never was in a union. I mean, I was years ago, but I was self-employed off 25 years. So, but 
what I noticed about a union job, and you can concur on this, is that when, when a man is making more money, um, or enough money to sustain his family or, or actually to prosper his family, well, the kids get hard haircuts more regularly. The wife goes out and buys more clothes. I mean, uh, the, you get better food on the table. I mean, and then you're circulating money in the community. And that's why I do believe that, that a good job, a good union job does raise the level of standing for not only that worker, his family, but in the community, you know, you go into the grocery store, and if you if you are if you are, have have a religious uh, 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 commitment, then you're tithing more to your church, or to, to you know, uh, uh, and also you 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 you're dropping money a lot of places, and it's honest legal money, <laughs> you know. Yes, yes, and I want to add to that that um, your kids get to get a decent education. That's right. Help you, you know, all these different things that come That's to right. a good union job. That's so, right, good but, union but then job. also as a person who gets a good union job, you have to understand that there was people before you that make that happen. That's so right. no, you are responsible to continue the fight. So That's you right. need continue. to contribute That's right. to the growth That's right. and the That's change right. That's right. to the That's human right. race right. and the people That's that right. look like That's you right. that are struggling, That's suffering, right. homeless. That's right. You are That's responsible right. to contribute. And if you're not, you're not doing the right thing. You get all you do is just um, benefit from, from the fight of others but you refuse to do your part because we all have a part to do. We all have a part to do. You're right. You're right about that. And you know what? Before COVID and I go to the bank for, you know, to just get my balance or do something, they say you could do this online. I say, as long as I'm coming in here, you'll have a job. And I don't think people understand that when they do the self-service, uh, self-checkout, I mean, that means that the grocery store don't have to hire enough clerks. I mean, every time you do something, you know, that type of thing. But, but uh, also, uh, um, it's so important to understand that uh, that a decent job and how necessary it is, um, and, and to organize around good pay, because good pay absolutely is necessary. And now what's going to come in is these are uh, robots and all of this stuff. These uh, uh, automation, uh, automation, uh, and also this side, uh, the way that they have this is the uh, what is uh, the uh, artificial intelligence uh, uh, and all mm -hmm. of that, uh, and 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 it's just going to create even more people not with jobs. And I'm saying, well, what kind of society do people want when you got idle people? I mean, you see what's happening now because people are bored. <laughs> Sometimes they pick up weapons. They're picking up weapons because they're bored and um, and you don't have a national service program. You don't have anything to uh, help young people collect their thoughts and uh, know that they don't have to be alone. I mean, you know, they're isolated. But also if they had a job or, I mean, I know we've had some good apprentice programs to bring some of these young people in, in so they can come in and join this fellowship team. You know, that's the great thing you say because that's the facts. You know, I, I remember one time I traveled to work in, in Los Angeles as a longshoreman. And um, on my lunch break, I went to one of the brothers that's from LA ports uh, to lunch. And we was walking, we parked the car and walking, going to the restaurant. And there was this car running and he looked at, it and look at me and he said, Gabriel, you know, back in the days, I would just run, jump in that car and drive off with it. But I, I got a good union job. I can buy my own car. I mean, yes. that's, it. see the change that, you. there's a way you can change and lower the crime out in the city right. if you provide jobs for people. Right. And that's the bottom right. line. That's right. And I believe that, uh, I believe that, uh, Gabriel, even coming out of slavery, our people never have had, the last time Black people was fully employed was when we were still in bondage, you know, uh, after slavery, it's been, uh, 
it's been uh, sketchy sometimes for black people just to eat, 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 eat uh, you have a meager uh, living. And that's why they used to say a black man was a jack of all trades because he had to learn how to do many things in order to feed his family. And then after that, uh, you know, when people moved to the cities uh, and they got, I, they, they got trapped in these cities with no opportunities, uh, uh, and they couldn't even grow no collard greens in the sidewalks. I mean, it was no place to grow anything and compared to, you know, living, living on some acreage where you could grow something, uh, you know, life changed very rapidly for black people who were moving out of the, uh, moving out, out of moving to to the uh, to the north and uh, to big cities. Uh, they just didn't have the, uh, they didn't have the support uh, that that they could have had in smaller places. Sometimes, see, you know. Uh, you know, one of the things that a lot of blacks don't know, even union workers, that there was black union workers that goes way back from the 16 to the 1800 that were organized before. One of the things, the big thing about A. Philip Randolph that we, uh, why we talked about, he was the first to be able to open the door for black workers to be in the part of the AFL-CIO, but not that only. He also um, was the first to take on a big company that hires black people. That right. whole car today, the Amazon, that was the sleeping car products. Yes, yes, yes. He yes. took on, and they were the biggest um, employers of black back then. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that was the. That was the. This is the modern days. That was the modern days Amazon that we got today. That's what yeah. did. <laughs> so you know? at, at, at every juncture in America, uh, you've had a you've had an Amazon or a or either Walmart that they controlled a lot things uh, mm -hmm. going back to the railroads i mean like you're just talking about the railroad uh and, and a lot of those uh, opportunities was not coming to uh to the african-american community and i think wasn't it something about ten thousand george i mean it was a movie something about movie 10, yeah the movie ten thousand ten thousand men's name george right yeah. that's right yeah right. yeah with um yeah. and by and, and by organizing he improved the condition he improved the wages and that's then right. they expanded even more you know and, and those that's same right. Um, quarters, those same members of this um, for this union that A. Philip Brown organized was instrumental in helping labor advance the movement. I tell you one thing, for my union itself, the ILWU, back then when they was in, in 1934 when they had the big strike, um, the employers was going to the south and bringing black to the, to the Bay Area and San Francisco to cross the picket line because the white workers were striking. And there was a great leader, a, a, um, um, Harry Bridges. Oh, Harry Bridges. Recognized, he recognized that Black Life Matters. So he went to the Black neighborhood and he, he met with um, C.L. Dellums, who was the vice president of the Sleeping Car Porters Union. One of, a Philip Randall prodigy. And he talked to C.L. Dellons to talk to help him go to the black community, go to the black churches, and, and reach out to the black workers and tell them if they stop crossing the picket line, when they win the strike, they will bring them into the union. Because back then, blacks would not get, well, was That's right. never, yeah. not get yeah. part yeah. of the union, would not be able to get into the union. And Harry Bridges kept his word. They won the strike. 
And right now in San Francisco, it's about 80% are black. Wow. In the union, the ILW, 80%. Wow. That's a report that's have that many black. In wow. Union. That's that's awesome. That's awesome. You want to announce what's happening tonight again and the address where people, if the community wanted to come out to the party for ASA? So it's on um, at the Labor Temple. The address is 80, I mean, sorry, 5030 First Avenue South. Seattle, Washington, 98134. And that's again, 5030. First Avenue South, Seattle, Washington, 98134. And you can't miss it. It's heading towards the um, First Avenue Bridge if mm-hmm. you're coming from Seattle. If you're coming from South, it's after you get off the First Avenue Bridge, right on First Avenue. And just look wow. for that tempo. And what's the time again? 6 p.m. 6 to 8. 6 to 8. Okay. And we have we got special guest speaker all the way from um, North Carolina chapter with very right. well. And also has a um, show that comes on every Wednesday. Well, this is wonderful. I mean, I, I'm going to do my best to get down there tonight. Um, and I know it's going to be good because it's always good. Uh, but also, how can people, how can people, how can union workers get involved with the, with, with, uh, with the APRI here in Seattle? I mean, uh, if they live in King County in Seattle, you know, how can they, how can they get involved? Well, we, we want people to um, show up. We want people that wants to do the work. We don't want people that just want to be numbers and not doing nothing to move the, the organization. We want people that's going to participate and work. So you can get in touch with us. Um, one of the things that we're doing, we're doing orientation so we can make sure that people is, is in, interested in doing the work because this is very important. This is a very important work and role that APRI plays in the movement, you know, and it's, it's the connection between labor and the community. And uh, we can do a lot. It's a lot. In fact, it's a lot of work for every organization to do. Everybody needs to do their part. But also, I mean, I know one of the things you do, you do, you do there's the uh, Juneteenth uh, uh, event that's been going on for a while, even before it was a state holiday. Uh, uh, we, you know, that's been going on for a while. You do the turkey drops. I mean, uh, and I know you give food out for turkey, I mean, for Thanksgiving and Christmas. Uh, and then there's other things that happens. Uh, uh, and then there's a conference that's coming up uh, in August. Is that right? That's correct. August 9th to the 13th, we're having our conference in Reno. Uh, Nevada, and um, it's going to be all of this. I mean, this is just, you know, when we go to the conference, it's like uh, rejuvenation. You know, I reju- rejuvenate yeah. you to come out and do the work because you get to meet all these great leaders from around the nation that's doing the work, right? And then we come together and we share a lot of information and then we bring, and then we have our young people. That's the next thing, our young adults that are very involved as well and participate in these conference and, and they doing work all around, you know, and I, and I, and thank you for mentioning Juneteenth. Juneteenth, we'd like people to join us also into, at Juneteenth. It's going to be the 19th, Monday the 19th, and our Juneteenth event is going to be on the waterfront. You know, um, every year we celebrate Juneteenth, the community celebrate Juneteenth, but this is the first time that labor has joined together with APRI and other organizational unions to do this. This is a labor-led Juneteenth. 
Oh, okay. That's that. That's new. I mean, like you say, first time in that. that that's new. Yeah, uh, and we've been. Um, this is our fourth year in doing it. This is our fourth year. We did it in 2020, 21, 22. I know we're 23. This is our fourth year. We have done it, and uh, we are working in collaboration with many other unions and um, organizations that have been working on it. But it's, and I believe um, we started it right after George Floyd was killed. We call okay. a big meeting, our union. And, um, and, um, and our union is partnered with APRI. So we put this together and we did it here and in the Bay Area. And we're planning to do it again. Well, that, that, that's, that, that would be uh, wonderful because uh, again, with the, with the climate in America right now, uh, black people need to uh, understand uh, uh, what, it, what, what organizing and staying together means uh, in terms of your own safety. Uh, in terms of having passed some of these laws or push back some of these laws that they're trying to hold back the tide uh, of the door that they want to open. Uh, I mean, they they act like you know people think that it's for you know it's it's POC and other people, uh, but uh, really it is we're the ones who are in the Constitution. We were two, two we were two, uh, you know we're in the Constitution. Uh, other people are not in the Constitution. So this is a uh, this is really important, and I'm glad that I'm glad that the unions, are kind of, you know, I'm glad that April Randolph is going to be uh, in part of that. And you might need to send some people to Florida to help with to help with what's going on in Florida down there uh, and those type of things. So, uh, it's, they, it's, yes, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say we got about one minute left, and I was just going to say if you want to announce where the event is tonight one more time by uh, before before we finish the show. So, be good. Tell me at five zero three zero First Avenue South. Seattle, Washington, 98134. And that's at the Labor Temple. Right. MLK Labor Temple. You can Google it. You can just write down the address, 5030 1st Avenue South, Seattle, Washington, 98134. Come join us. Come share the love with us. Come learn about A. Philip Randolph and come build a movement that continues to grow and go since 1965 when this a. Philip Randolph Institute was started. Right. And we still That's going strong. Still going, still going strong. All right. Well, Gabriel, thank you for being my guest today. Uh, and I'm going to see what I can do to get there tonight. Uh, and, I, and I know it's going to be a good event. So take care. Uh, and thank you for being on Mother's Justice Show. Okay. Uh, we will be happy to have you there. It's going right. to be a special day even for you. All I right. Feel. All right. Well, thank you so much. Thank you. Hey, to listen to the Mother's Justice Show on 1150 AM, KKNW, I'm your host from Walden, and thank you for listening, and I'll be back next week. Take care. Have a great week, okay? Stay dry. Go see the flowers. Do something beautiful. Thank you. Mm -hmm.